Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. On this episode, we're talking about the Michigan football team's new commitment, an incoming transfer, and future Big Ten schedules. Plus, the men's basketball program officially announced a few additions. That and more coming up on Wolverine Confidential. All right, guys, good to be with you here Monday morning, June 12th. You know, we're actually going to start with something that is Michigan athletics related, but I didn't mention in the intro. And that is I got to see a former Wolverine uh, in person on Friday night, uh, Mets, Pirates in Pittsburgh. Rich Hill, the, <laughs> the former Wolverine, uh, was on the mound for the Pirates. 43-year-old left-hander. Uh, this is his 19th year in the big leagues. I mean, I just, I just couldn't believe that when I got to the game, I just, it's a little rush getting over there, so I didn't you know, look at who was pitching for the Pirates. And all, I see it, all of a sudden, I see it's Rich Hill, 19th year in the bigs. This is his 12th team. I, I also looked, I saw, I found out, at least according to Wikipedia, only pitcher in Major League history to have had a perfect game broken up by a ninth-inning fielding error and the only pitcher in Major League history to have a no-hitter broken up in extra innings by a walk-off home run. Uh, I don't know if that was the same game or not, uh, but either way, Rich Hill, seven innings, he scatters seven hits, as they say, struck out six, gave up just two runs, and uh, yeah, his team had a had a 14-2 to lead entering the ninth. Uh, the Mets scored five runs, so they only lost by a touchdown, but um, yeah, they're struggling. I think when you Pitch that long, it makes sense that you've set those records that you mentioned, the no-hitter no hitter records. Um, but no, I think the joke with him is every time he comes to the mound, he's, he's on the like the lineup cart. Like everyone jokes, he's like 50 and having, he's pitched like 30 years in the majors. But he's still going strong. Credit to him, man. He's got some longevity, good good genes in him. Yeah, I mean, his numbers are still pretty decent. I was, I was going to ask, do you guys know what his, uh, his nickname is? I do. It's not pod friendly. <laughs> yeah. I, am, I am aware of it. I'm aware of it. I'm going to have to look that up. I don't know it. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, there's our uh, we work in the Mets talk, but you know it's actually Michigan related this time. Um, all right, we've got some Michigan football news to discuss. They got a they got a commitment. It was a previous Notre Dame commitment, defensive lineman uh, Owen Wafel. Um, not not Waffle, although I guess you could say he waffled in his in his commitment a little bit there to Notre Dame. But now he's a Wolverine. Uh, I guess you, you both can talk about it. But Zook, kind of kind of give me the backstory here. Yeah, I mean, he was committed to Notre Dame in, um, from May 2022 until just a couple of weeks ago. And I mean, Michigan wasn't really involved in his recruitment at all. And then this this spring, they they made a push and, and gave him an offer. And, and Mike Elson really led the charge here. And as we know, he has a long history at Notre Dame. Um, and he he took a visit to, to Michigan for the first time and uh, really, really enjoyed it and uh, decided to, to pull the trigger. I mean, you kind of knew after he, he decommitted because Notre Dame has a policy that they don't allow their commits to take visits elsewhere. So when he decommitted, you kind of knew, all right, he's going to explore other options. And I saw a lot of people put in right away is Michigan the favorite to land him. And sure enough, once he went on this uh, official this past weekend, they were able to, to seal the deal. So uh, a nice little land for, for Mike Elston and the Wolverines and, and, and continuing this recruiting momentum. Yeah, and a New Jersey kid too. He's from Prince, New Jersey, uh, area where Michigan, you know, in previous years had done a very good job of of recruiting. So they're kind of get back into New Jersey. 
Um, I don't know if Chris Partridge had any help in this at all, but nonetheless, I mean, obviously this is a Mike, Mike Elston recruit, so uh, good land for him. He's done a, a quiet, quietly a nice job of recruiting kind of like these, these low four, mid four guys. He's not, I mean, yes, they got, they got some fives maybe on the, on the board, but they've, they've done a good job of kind of pulling in Elston type of guys uh, a little under the radar, a little, maybe not top 100 players, but nonetheless, guys can kind of mold into, you know, quality, you know, Big Ten caliber defense alignment. And right now, it seems like it's it's certainly working. Yeah, I mean, at this point, too, I mean, they're they're pretty much wrapping up with their defensive line position. I mean, they're, they they wanted true nose and another guy who was visiting this past weekend, uh, David Palepale, uh, a three-star from from Pennsylvania. I mean, he's, he's trending towards Michigan as well. So if he decides to uh, pull the trigger here soon, uh, Michigan was pretty good for the, at least the interior of the defensive line. They still have a lot of work to do with, at edge, but... Um, they're they're trending for a lot of edge guys as well, so it, it could be a pretty impressive uh, uh, front when it's all said and done. They've got a uh, a new addition um, as well that can help help this season, and that is uh, Josh Wallace, a, a cornerback uh, from the University of Massachusetts. Um, yeah, we talked about on last week's pod um, the need, you know, maybe for for a second uh, corner to emerge on this team, and and well, they now have got another, you know proven college player to possibly do it uh you know Wallace comes from from UMass where Don Brown you know just finished his his first year as head coach there he is a former Michigan defensive coordinator of course I, I looked it up you know UMass went one and 11 again last year after one and 11 the year before and they didn't win a game in the COVID year they went one and 11 in 2019 this is a program that's, that's really struggled I looked up there they're, defensively they were they were okay actually their passing defense yards per game allowed was in the top 10 though that seems to be because teams just ran the ball mostly after you know getting huge leads but uh still and, and none of this is to say anything about Wallace as a player this is a guy they obviously you know felt could could help the program right away yes yeah I mean four-year starter I think two-time captain stats you know were, were very good um, so I, I think he's certainly a guy that's going to be in the mix now, whether he starts and gets kind of a, a you know, a, you know, a number one role. I don't know. And time's going to tell that camp is going to be a big factor there. Um, nonetheless, he helps, as you said, I mean, he guy, he's a guy who can come in right away and, uh, he, you know, he's got those qualities that Michigan looks for, you know, guys who have played a lot. You meant, I mentioned the captainship, um, 140 tackles, he had a sack and three interceptions during his, his career at UMass. So numbers were there. Um, it's just a matter of whether he can make that jump from that UMass level of football to the Big Ten. That's the question mark, right? Um, we've seen it happen before, and we've seen it not happen. I mean, Michigan brought in a grad transfer cornerback several years ago from Utah in Casey Hughes. He never saw the field. So we'll see. Um, it, it's clear there was a need there at cornerback. We don't know yet on Amorian Am- Am- Walker. Um, it sounds like his development has been a little slow. Um, in fact, you know, I, I I asked Jim Harbaugh a couple of weeks ago at that camp in Detroit whether you know if he if he v- still views Amorian Walker as a starter, and he he basically said yes, but he kind of waffled in some regard too. He didn't come out and like explicitly say it. So I, I do think Michigan's looking there. They're they're looking at other options. Jane McBurls is an option there, but again, he's another guy who hasn't played a ton. So there's clearly an opening opposite of Will Johnson at corner. Um, Josh Wallace will come in and 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 compete for the job. Um, we'll, we'll see if he can win it. Now there were, there was interest elsewhere. He was pretty highly coveted. Um, he took a visit to Michigan, uh, not this past weekend, but two weekends ago, he was also visiting Virginia tech as well. So Virginia tech was highly interested too. So program saw something in him, six, 190 pounds, pretty good size experiences there. Length is there. 
now we'll see if he can, uh, you know, he can make that uh, that leap. Bottom line, I mean, a little bit of experience, even against poor competition, is still better than no experience. And outside of Will Johnson right now, Michigan really doesn't have any experience at the cornerback position. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a starting nod. I mean, obviously, it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment getting to to know the Michigan scheme and, and whatnot. But, uh, I mean, yeah, four-year starter is a four-year starter at the, at the FBS level. So, it, it will be interesting to see, but I'm I, if I had to put my money on based off Harbaugh's comments and, and and Wallace's track record, I I would give him the edge right now. But we'll see. As far as looking really towards the future of of this football program, that's looking to the 2024-2025 seasons. Uh, we've got. The schedule out for the, the the Big Ten and which teams uh, we don't have the dates, but you know which is which teams will be playing. Michigan will be playing with the addition of you know USC and and UCLA. Um, and and I'm not going to list all the games here, but you know the, the important things to know right away are that you know teams have protected rivalries and Michigan has two, uh, and that's Michigan State and Ohio State. So they will play them those teams every year. Um, the others will rotate. Um, so no, no longer, you're going to just play, you know, every, every other team, um, you know, in the East, like in the past. Uh, so, you know, first year for Michigan, they, they get some of the highlights, UCLA at home, um, USC on the road. Uh, the next year though, neither of those, uh, two additions are, are on the schedule. Um, means Penn state, you know, is, is not on the schedule every year anymore, uh, including 2024. That's maybe one of the downsides i guess that had become you know a rivalry jim harbaugh players had kind of spoken about penn state kind of in the in the same vein as as ohio state and michigan state almost as you know kind of their the main games they they want to get they're not not a true rival in, in that sense but still was an important game and you know they're not on the schedule anymore not surprised at all that you know michigan usc is is there right away in year one um but we'll have to wait at least you know a couple years after that for uh, USC to make its its trip to the to the big house. What did you guys uh, your kind of takeaways from from the Big Ten schedule announcement? Well, I'm not surprised they uh, they pitted Michigan and, and USC and UCLA in, in you know in year one. Um, you got to remember that the big highlight maybe out of this whole thing is that the Big Ten is doing doing away with divisions. So this kind of creates the sets up the opportunity here for big time matchups almost every year, whether it's Michigan USC or Ohio State USC. Um, the, the real winner here is the TV networks because they can kind of dictate things, the scheduling, and, and put more of these premier matchups, um, you know, and, and a, in a, you know on a yearly basis. Because if we were under the division situation, I would assume UCLA and USC would have been in the West, and, and Michigan would have been in the East, and they would have been playing both, you know, this year one. So um, certainly favorable for television. I, I think for if you're a Michigan fan looking to make a road trip, uh, you know, next year, I, I think USC is obviously a, a you know a coveted um, game. Uh, so I'm not surprised. Uh, it's a little disappointing not to see Michigan Penn State every year. I think you're right. That's kind of it's kind of turned into a must see matchup, whether it's in State College or or in Ann Arbor. So a little disappointing there. They do host Penn State in 25, um, but certainly yeah, not going to get them every year. I love it, man. I mean, I, I think it was getting kind of stale the current format. Uh, I love that there's new blood. There's going to be more variety. I mean, it's. Do I need to see Michigan Rutgers every year? Do I need to see Michigan Maryland every year? No, I, I don't. Like, let's let's see some new teams, um, new opponents, new storylines. Like, 
I'm I'm really excited about it. I really like that they're ditching the divisions and, and this the top two teams. I, I I can't wait to see who how it's going to shake out. I think it's going to create more interesting races for the Big Ten championship. Like I'm and yeah, like they said, I think UC, USC and UCLA matchups are going to be exciting. So um, I was very thoroughly impressed with how they revealed this, and I I'm I'm loving it. Can we talk about the unintended consequence of this, um, doing away with divisions? You know, if this was the case the last couple of years, we would have had Michigan-Ohio State back-to-back weeks. They would have ended the regular season, played again the Big Ten Championship, and that's that sets up the possibility again for this fall. You know, and I'm wondering if that's going to devalue in some regards some of these games. I mean, heck, you know, you, we could see them potent- if, if Michigan-Ohio State are good again this year, good like last year, they could play three times if you count the playoff. So I'm, I'm wondering if that's going to change things. That's going to devalue that final game the regular season. You know, I, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if this was the case the last two years, Michigan-Ohio State would play back-to-back weeks um, to close the season. And I, I, I guess the fans would like it. I, I don't know. Um, but, you know, if you, if you split the games, then what? You know, it's, it's I don't know, bizarre to me. Um, I, I'm not surprised. I think a lot of fans wanted this. Um, but the more you think about it, at least from my perspective, I, I don't know. I mean, I would have been fine with the Big Ten putting USC and UCLA in the West and then moving one of the West teams over to the East, like Purdue. And, you know, they would create a, the Purdue-Indiana rivalry in the same division. It would have been fine. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm in wait-and-see mode. I'm curious to see what happens. Obviously, we're assuming Ohio State's going to be good again this year and Michigan, I guess. Um, I don't. Obviously, we got to wait, watch the season play out. But it's very possible – they play at the end of November and then again the first weekend in December too. I just have a feeling though with with this many teams now, and I, I don't think it's going to happen as much as we think. I mean, if maybe if USC one year doesn't play in Ohio State, one of the teams has to lose, and if there's one other team that hasn't lost or has only lost one game, I mean, who knows with tiebreakers and stuff. But I, I I don't think it will be as big of a deal as everyone's making it out to be. Right. The last two years it would have happened, but the last two years, you know, USC, a, a really good program was not in the league to, to you know, possibly take that other spot. Um, yeah, it certainly seemed like the obvious, the easy thing to do was, yes, all right, you got these two teams definitely out, out in the West that they could just join that division. And yep, Purdue seemed like the likely one to just shift over. But, um, you know, they didn't go that route. Was that, to, you know, allow for the Michigan and Ohio, Ohio States and Penn States to play those premier, you know, West Coast teams more often instead of just, you know, how whenever it came up in the, you know, crossover every few years, like maybe that is part of it. it. It's also like this is fine that they've made this schedule for 2024 and 2025. By then, there definitely could be more teams in yeah. the Big Ten. So exactly. it could all it could all change again. And oh, remember that schedule we put out? Yeah, this we've got a new one now that includes, you know, who, who knows what other teams because it was not long ago that we were talking about, you know, trending towards possibly two just super conferences. And I don't think we're necessarily, you know, that, that, that idea is dead. So uh, we'll, we'll see how it all shakes out. And this is all great for football and, and relatively easy for football with travel one day a week for, you know, your, your four or five road games you have to do how this is going to work for some of these non-revenue sports and you know, like, you know, baseball or, uh, know for this lacrosse or any of this stuff where you've got yeah usc coming flying over to play Rutgers, you know in the middle of the week i i don't exactly know how that's gonna work but uh not not my problem to figure out so 
No, no one else. Uh, going back to the football schedule for a second, though, do you know what else kind of popped into my mind when I saw saw it? UCLA coming to to Michigan the the first year with a potential Dante Moore homecoming and a, guy, a five star quarterback from Detroit, Martin Luther King, who Michigan missed on. I mean, do you imagine if he comes to Ann Arbor and and, and beats Michigan? That could uh, that would be a, that's going to be a, an exciting matchup too. A lot of people are talking about Michigan USC, but Michigan UCLA too could be uh, even even more of an exciting game because it is at home and and there's a little bit of a local flavor to it as well. It would be interesting just to see how he plays. And, and not only that, I'm curious to see how like USC and UCLA play in like the cold weather climates later in the year because they're not used to doing that. Mm-hmm. I know the joke is the SEC, maybe the Pac-12 don't. I, I know in Colorado and there are some some schools in the Pac-12 where it gets a little chilly. But, um, yeah, I, I, it's going to be fascinating seeing some of these schools come to – whether it's Michigan or, or Ohio State, Penn State, when you know in mid 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 to late November when it's you know thirty five and wind blowing and cold and potentially snowy, yeah, UCLA is interesting. Definitely been on the on the rise a little bit of an uptick these last couple of years under Chip Kelly, but um and you know finished uh, ranked in the top twenty five at the end of the year at twenty one for the first time since twenty fourteen. Uh, so yeah, this is a program still that uh you know has has fallen on hard times a little bit. USC absolutely taken. The upper hand in the last couple decades so uh we'll see what the big 10 move uh you know, does for those teams we do have some some basketball news it's like new news it's old news uh i mean they did they did get a commitment from um you know the tennessee player we had we had talked about uh olivier kamwa um the forward a lot of experience starting starting games for for tennessee um the past two years, 112 games for his, his four-year career. Um, and he commits and Michigan announces him pretty much, you know, right away later that day. It it he signed it, it all became official. Um, and then uh that was that was last Wednesday, and then the next day, Thursday, um, they officially announced uh the other two commitments who had committed way back in. I mean, Namari Burnett, the guard from Alabama, was actually the end of March. Trey Jackson, the forward from uh Seen Hall was in April, um, but you know either it finally became official, or you know with with Kamwa getting added to the mix, they you know felt all right. Now it's time to to announce these things. But um, you know certainly with Burnett, um, you know having only the three years in school to graduate, I'm sure he did he did have a little more you know work to do on that front. Uh, Trey Jackson was was always a kind of a graduate transfer, so um, that was probably a little simpler, but. Either way, they've got they've got three players now uh, officially on the roster for next season, but you know still more more work to do in the portal to to fill out this roster. Even even with those guys, um, there's still the the two open spots. So um, there's there's still needs on this team. Like we said, a little more scoring punch in the backcourt. Um, you know, maybe a, another true true big since Terrace Reed Jr., the rising sophomore, is the only one. So uh, I would not expect that Michigan is is done in the transfer portal, but um, you know, somewhat slim pickings there at, at this point as far as who's who's actually available. Might have to be hold, holding open tryouts at Chrysler Center before the season. Yes, I mean we're we, it, it will be interesting again that that this is you know mid June and this isn't finalized, but you know some other other programs certainly uh, in similar situations. All right, well we'll be covering. Uh-huh. Hold on, no, hold on. Oh, We're wait, a wait a here. second. Edition. I, by the time this this podcast uh, is, is published, um, 
Michigan could have another commit too. I know this. This is uh, we we talked returning earlier in the pod, but uh, one of their mm-hmm. targets announced that he is going to announce his decision at one p.m. on Monday. Uh, safety Jaden Smith, who is not ranked in the twenty four seven Sports composite, but has about twenty offers, including USC, Utah, Kentucky, and Miami. So Michigan is is pretty high on him, and they need defensive back. So Harper Woods, four star safety, Jacob Odin is is the only other current DB in the class. Um, so yeah, maybe an underrated guy, but um, I mean he's he's from North Carolina as well. That's where where five star quarterback Jaden Davis is, and, and three star receiver uh, Channing Tatum is from too. So it looks like Michigan is mining North Carolina pretty heavily this cycle and they could uh, increase their count to 19 commits here by the end of Monday. Very good. Uh, yeah. It's a clear, clearly a case of, yes, the, I mean, the, go by the schools that are, that are offering over what you see his, his, you know, recruiting ranking is to kind of judge where, where he's at as a prospect, I'd say. Yes. And it's going to be a very busy week for, for Michigan on the recruiting trail. So, I mean, it's probably not just going to be two guys that, that end up committing. So it could be by, by the end of the week, Michigan could uh, have a, a pretty class is going to be pretty well rounded out. I'd say. All right. Well, we'll have, we'll have coverage of, of that on mlive.com slash Wolverines. Thank you for listening to this episode of Wolverine Confidential.